Welcome back to We Are Human, and today we kick off a special mini-series centered around entrepreneurship. I am with Ivan Calderon, who is a music producer, a YouTuber, and I will also give you the, the hyphen label of audio engineer as well. Yeah, do a little bit of that as well. Thank yes. you for having me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I would love to know about how your journey within music kind of started out. Everybody's journey is a little bit different. Um, but I, I was one of the people who kind of knew what I wanted to do from a very early age. Mm -hmm. I, I remember being recollection of memories that I don't remember much from when I was that young. When my mom used to tell me that I would, I would give concerts out to my family in the living room using my great grandmother's cane at like at the age of six. So like music has always been a part of me. My dad was working here in the States because I was born in Mexico and he would always send back musical instruments like toy instruments. Nice. So I had a whole band's worth. You know, I had a guitar, I had a trumpet, a saxophone. Um, the first, I lied to you actually, the first instrument that I got was an accordion from my grandfather. But I never learned how to play it and I left it in Mexico. I think like having that musicianship, you have the, the common core knowledge of, you know, like scales and chords mm -hmm. and everything like that. So when did that like transition happen and, and how did you find like a love and passion yeah. for producing? So the first thing I would say is I do not knock anybody for not knowing music theory. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm just for people creating. Right. If whatever, whatever you need to do to create art, I fully support you. But yes, I, I did learn theory when I was in the marching band in middle school. But that transition from like musicianship into the production world happened somewhere in 10th grade. Um, I picked up the trumpet in seventh grade. In ninth grade, I picked up the guitar I was playing at my church. And then around that time, uh, my school had a program called the IB program. Right, I don't, okay. I don't know, right, I don't know if people know what that is, but it's basically just like prepping you for college, doing college level work. So I told my friend at the time, my best friend, who played drums with me in the band, in the high school marching band, I was like, why don't we make a documentary on the process of creating a song? You play the drums, I'll play all the guitar and bass parts, and then we'll just document the entire process. At that time, it was less electronic, like it definitely wasn't the stuff that I'm doing now. Right. Um, we recorded the song, and it was like the worst song on the planet, and I still have it. <laughs> I believe we had to record it all in one take, so he would record the drums. And that was his track. And then for me, I had to like record my the bass part, the guitar parts on top of that. And if I like messed up, I had to do it all over again. Right. So it was very primitive equipment <laughs> and it sounded terrible. There's a lot of fuzz and white noise, but that was my introduction to the, the recording world. And from there, I fell in love. I think back then, like we were just as kind of creative. We had to work with what we had Yeah. and we made a way. And something a friend of mine told me recently, um, maybe you can agree or disagree, as a guitarist, he said, you know, I feel like I play better with less pedals. I used to want to have Bro. a Mac style pedal board, but now like, I'm, since I'm so limited, it, it enforces me to kind of be creative yeah. with what I got. I couldn't agree more. And actually that's, that's something that I've been uh, doing more in my own routine. I'm a huge fan of restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, so I just read this book. I, I, I love books, I love reading. I try to read at least one a, mo uh, a month. But the one that I recently finished was called The Paradox of Choice. Yes. Oh, nice, nice. Okay, I like so that. So I was absolutely floored by that book. And basically the premise of this entire piece is like having too many options puts you in what he calls analysis paralysis, where you spend more time deciding yep. on what to use than actually doing the thing. People in my field, we fall into this trap with software and plugins and the worst thing is being spending all your time trying to decide what to use and not really creating right so i'm at a point now where i'm even implying or not implying um uh, using like artificial 
deadlines and restrictions where I, I've literally picked some of my favorite tools, got rid of the rest and just forced myself to create with that. Cause otherwise I'd be sitting there and spending 30 minutes deciding what EQ to use mm -hmm. when really I should just pick one and keep the, going. Your, your favorite chain or what you already go to. Yeah. Your go-to. Pick something you love and then just create. Over the last few years, pre-COVID, you know, you worked with clients on recording music and mixing their yeah. stuff. Um, you know, what have been like the most valuable lessons you've learned through that and from that? So there's so many things that we can even dissect from that question. Um, a lot of a lot of what I've learned working with these people is understanding how to deal with people. Uh, ironically and, and funny enough, what I tell people is like, yeah, I'm a music producer, but I'm also like a, a unlicensed therapist. Because every time people come in here, I have to get them to a point where they're comfortable enough to that I can get a performance out of them, an emotion out of them. Um, and a lot of times it's learning how to deal with people. So I've learned how to deal with people. I've learned how to do, you know, run my own business and all that that entails. So like the accounting, the taxes, college sparked that interest or at least uh, highlighted the importance of also knowing business. Right. And after college, I've just, I mean, like I said, I love to read. I'm always learning and that's kind of expanded on it. But yeah, man, I feel like if you're in, if whatever you do, whether if you're self-employed, whatever you do, you have to understand business and the marketing behind it. Cause you can have a great product, but if no one knows about it, then it's pretty much useless. Right. Especially coming from like a migrant background, mm -hmm. you know, like I, I, I'm not supposed to be here, bro. Like I remember being in high school, I did IB, AP, dual enrollment. I applied, I remember senior year in high school, sitting in, in the dining room with my father, telling him how I wanted to go to college and knowing that we didn't have any money. And the last thing he said to me is we'll figure it out. So that the remainder of the year, I spent all my time, I think I applied for like 50 or 60 scholarships, got seven, got a full ride. Nice. But like, you know what I mean? Like just, I have always been super grateful for the people, the benefactors who provided that money for me to go to school um, because I got to do so many things. I got to learn business in school, which led to maybe a lot of this. Yeah. Um, I got to, to meet my fiance. I got to, which in turn led me to meet you because right. you guys knew each other. You were like coworkers, something like that. So, you know, like, I'm, I don't know. I'm just, I'm always, I always want to help out and do good in any way that I can. Of course. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to talk about like the importance of reading because any person who's self-employed or an entrepreneur, anyone who owns a business, you'll the one thing i think that they all have in common is they read dude i'm i'm, I'm i don't know I, I don't know if obsess is the word but i'm always trying to be better yeah. and not in a way that i'm comparing myself to others i used to do that i feel like a lot of us do but now it's like i just want to be better than i was yesterday i want to be a better friend i want to be a better brother um a son uh, a partner fiance so a lot of a lot of that comes from books that I read and it's one of the most accessible things. One thing that I saw in one of your videos I was watching today in, yeah. in my cousin's crib was uh, your three tips on like how to overcome beat blocking. Yeah, yeah. And I absolutely uh, love the whole collaboration aspect because mm -hmm. when I was making beats, I would I would have, I had like machine, the little groove station, whatever, you know? Yeah, that was my first beat pad. Yeah, um, I had that and I would take that to my friend's dorm, my friend's apartment, like at work. Mm -hmm. And I think anywhere that you go, if you kind of take yourself out of like your main source of inspiration where you're working in, you will find like other sources of inspiration, even if you are alone. Like, yeah. do you have someone in the past, because I know you're not really working with a lot of people right now, mm -hmm. there's just a, 
incredible dynamic there that there's always like inspiration. I don't typically work with someone unless I'm a fan of you uh, right. as a person or your art. And this is not like on some high level. No, but you need that. You need yeah, to be a fan yeah, of their work. Right. And it's not because, again, not because I'm, I want to feel like I'm more important or I'm like toot my own horn. But for me, it's like I can't be the best producer for you unless we vibe and there's chemistry. When I work with someone, never is it, okay, here's the contract, pay me the money, let's get to it. Um, it could be, but for me, I, I want to be a fan of like what you're putting out. I want to be your biggest cheerleader. Yeah. So like the first type of like date is always meeting as people, seeing if we vibe. And if we resonate with each other, then we move forward into to the music. Um, and, and that I found allows me to be the best producer, the best aid for them yeah, during absolutely. their musical creation journey. Because you want to bring the best out of them too, yeah. in that sense, and you won't be able to do that if Dude, you have no connection. Like I was saying earlier, like I'm, I'm literally like a, a therapist. I, I, <laughs> but the thing is, like to get to that point where people are giving their best performance, they need to be comfortable with you. Yeah. At the moment, um, there's this really, really dope rapper uh, called Eighty, the artist that I've been friends with now, mm -hmm. um, for the past like maybe three or four years since 2017. Um, he's about to release new music, but he's just so good. And I'm, I'm amazed at like his ability to, to flow and to create uh, raps that just resonate. So we did a record together in 2017 with another one of my uh, artists that I used to work with, her name's Danny, uh, called Truth, which was about police brutality. So, and that record right now is everywhere. You can listen to it, it's called Truth. Truth. Yes, um, 80 the artist, Truth. Um, but he's really dope. I also, there's another kid named Marco that I just finished my last project with. That's also <laughs> everywhere. Plug it, I'm like plug selfless it. Pr promoting. That record is called, uh, it was an EP. It's called I Still Think of You. So the next day I still think of you. I produced that entire EP um, and also mixed it. But every single one of those people inspires me. Aside from artists, my inspiration just really comes from like my own dreams and aspirations. Um, obviously other, other forms of art as well. Like if I love playing video games, simply because of the storytelling and, and just the beauty behind that art form, um, painting, different forms of art. But for me, mostly, it's about where I want to be. And I know we have to be really careful because this could be easily be like one of those moving targets kind of things where you're just never really satisfied yeah. with your current state. Yeah. But you know, I, I, I'm still not where I want to be. And that possibility of working towards it every day to make sure I'm able to make a sustainable living from what I love to do and take care of my family. Uh, that's what really inspires me every day and what allows me to get up and do. It's like your, your driving force. Yeah. You know, for sure. Definitely. You do all this pretty essentially by yourself. You, yeah. Like you said, you're a one man band. How, how do you find yourself like holding yourself like accountable to deadlines and to like the productivity? So that goes back a little bit to what we were talking about. Um, as far as like creating artificial restrictions mm -hmm. and I'm a huge fan of technology and leveraging it to make my life easier. Of course. So I'm a huge fan of like automation and shortcuts and even within like the software that I use like macros to make sure like I'm able to do my work more efficiently. If I could do something with less work, I'm going to figure out a way to do it. You're going to work smarter, yeah. not harder. Basically what I do is I sit down every Sunday right. and I write down everything that I have to do for the week and then split it up based on days. Some people like to do it on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't. I just like to wake up and, and just look at what I have to do and do it. So I sit I like down that. Sundays, I'll make some tea, I'll just write down all my tasks and then I divide them up by days based on like, for example, if I usually post videos on Thursdays, so that's published day, that's deadline, uh, everything else revolves as, as far as video work goes. 
revolves around that. If I have a client work, that's also a deadline. And I mean, deadlines are deadlines. I, I meet those because I want to do good work and I want people to recommend me. But as far as the stuff that doesn't really have a deadline, I create artificial deadlines just to keep that sort of like pressure up. Yeah. Because course. another thing too that I've, um, there's another thing called the Parkinson's law. And again, this goes back to human psychology. Basically, Parkinson's law is the the foundation for procrastination, and we've all experienced it. Parkinson's law states that the amount of work that you have will expand to the amount of time that you give it. So the easiest example that I can give you is like in college, if you have an essay due and it's not due until two weeks, it's probably going to take you the two weeks because you're going to leave it till the last minute. Yeah. Whereas if it's due tomorrow, you can probably guess you're going to make the strongest batch of coffee and get it done because you need to. Right. So taking that into consideration, I set artificial deadlines and I kind of just stick to them. I'm the type of guy that will do it daily, like the to-do list. Yeah. I like I like waking up in the morning and while I'm having coffee, I'll just write down, okay, what do I need to do? I always try to keep a tab of like how, how much water I'm drinking too. Just to, Me too. I think that's yeah. I think it's important. It's funny. You, so you do it daily. Yeah, I have a to-do list daily and I'll, I'll put the water and I'll... I'll as the day goes by, I'll like tally up, you know, how many. And this is all like written for you? Yeah, written. Wow. And then I will always try to make sure that I meditate or like, you know, exercise during, the, during the morning. Wow. And we then... really are the same person. <laughs> yeah. Meditation has been so key for me. So um, I don't know if this is getting too deep, but like as far as like mental health goes, I, I've, I think as I've gotten older and as, as we've progressed as a society, we've started to put more focus on mental health and I think we should. Mm -hmm. Because just like how you go to the doctor to get a physical, to see if you're good physically and you go to church to make sure your soul is right, like mental health is also as important. Right. Because without the mind, everything else crumbles. And you know, I, I recently, like I have a history of mental health, I guess, obstacles in my family and nothing crazy. Uh, just your, you know, anxiety and all that stuff. But I think 2020 has definitely amplified that for a lot of people. Yes, absolutely. Especially not being able to leave your house. And one of the ways that I, I've coped with it, uh, both my own personal like struggles and the magnification of 2020 is through meditation. Mm -hmm. So I try to do at least 10 minutes a day. And if you're feeling stressed out, sometimes it's, it's just a lifesaver. When we met. Yeah. And we... you know what's funny? This is the second time you've met in person. That's true. The that first is, time, like you were about to say, was at a, a friend's wedding. Yep. Back in 2017. And you told me that you had just walked away from your full time <laughs> to pursue this. Mm -hmm. And you spent three years building up what you have today. Mm -hmm. You put a lot of time, dedication, money into it yeah. as well. What has been like the biggest obstacle of walking away and staying consistent with what you're doing now as a music producer and as a YouTuber. I would say one of the tougher things is having to do it or be responsible for things that you weren't responsible for before. Okay. So like for example, when you go to a job, you don't think about like the taxes being withheld. You just go to work and get a paycheck. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I've had to learn all of this from the ground up. So as I was mentioning it before, any money that I make, not all of it is mine. There's taxes that I have to pay. I feel like there's a, a myriad of things that comes with being self-employed because your income isn't necessarily uh, consistent until you get to a point where you build a life out like that yeah. or a business model. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's days where like, I got it. The biggest obstacle is staying motivated and disciplined. Okay. Because if you don't, as a regular person who does a regular job, if you don't go to work, you get fired. I don't get fired but I won't advance towards my dreams and goals 
you won't make money. Right. No one's going to say, get up and do it. I have to find ways. I have to find hacks and productivity and psychological kind of like tips to, to get myself to, to get to that point. That's probably the hardest thing. Um, a lot of it's just staying motivated and staying on, on my grind or else things don't happen. You mentioned that you didn't really have a backup plan. So like, no. you know, how would you do it differently? Like if you could do it again. So when I was working after college, I took a job working for Viacom in New York City. Mm -hmm. Now they're the parent company for like uh, MTV, Nickelodeon, and I was doing research analytics for them. An amazing time in my life. I got to live in New York City, one of the greatest cities in the world. Um, I worked in Times Square. So literally like my office was like right outside where the ball drops. But I remember one day I had to deliver some footage files to a director and I had no idea who this guy was. Turns out he was a music director for like um, Prince Royce, Shakira, so on and so forth. And I ended up getting his email. And this is when I was working at my last job now. So fast forward maybe like a year or two from that point, which is now like three years in, in the past. And I was like, do you have any advice for me? Because I'm trying to start this out. So I'm going to tell you the advice that he gave me. He said, as in, and I'll explain, I'll go more in detail, but he said, don't have a backup, a B plan. Because if you have a B plan, your A plan will never work. I've heard like, that. Yeah. Right. He's, he said, specifically, and this were his, his words, he said, don't get a nine to five. He said, if you, if you have to pay bills, I get it, get a part time. But the moment you jump into a nine to five, it takes up all your time and you have no time left for what you have to do. But don't have like a plan B because that's going to be like your safety net where you're like, well, if it doesn't work out, no, there is no option. You either make it work or you make it work. But as far as a more practical standpoint to modify that a little bit, because when, when I said I didn't have any, uh, anything planned out when I jumped, I meant like I didn't have a savings. I didn't have like anything. I was just tired of my job. I would say before you make the jump to being self-employed, make sure you do have some runway financially to pay bills for at least like six months or something like that. And if, if you know that's something that you want to do, then work to save. Maybe you don't eat out for the next year or I don't know, <laughs> like do what you have to do to make sure you have money cushioned up so you can make that jump. But when you do make that jump, there are no plan Bs. If you really want to succeed, pe people, whatever you want to do, you will do it. But you just have to put yourself in that like tunnel vision. There are no other options. Yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. And I, and I think that I have, thankfully, I, I, one thing that I can embrace about myself is like my execution. Yeah. Like just being able to tell myself, like, I'm going to do it. So I'll do it. Same thing with the deadlines that you mentioned, like having those deadlines, um, the launch of this project, I told myself, we're going to do it May 17th. And I did the interviews, I think the first weekend of May. Yeah. I spent hours editing and editing. And I'm like, no, I said I was going to launch May 17th. We're going to get this shit done, you know, and Bro. just applying like i told you the manifestation like yeah. you can manifest anything that you want and a friend told me that you know but if you're not applying it it's just words yeah i, I mean and just think about it from like a, a very primitive standpoint we're we're humans are built to survive mm -hmm. literally everything the whole reason we reproduce is just to survive yeah right so we adapt very very quickly and if you just focus on what you want it's i can't promise you it'll be quick i can't promise you it'll be easy but it's just a matter of time 
And I have these conversations with my dad all the time because he's from an older generation where like you work at the same company for 30 years and you move on up. And at first he didn't understand what I was doing. And for the first maybe like year or two, he was like, when are you getting a job? When are you getting a job? And until I started to show him like the fruits of my labor, he gets it now, you know? But the one thing that I would tell him, I was like, dad, this is... This is my heart, my soul, this is what I want. It's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when, but I will not have a backup plan because that gives me options to divert from what I really want. But yeah, that, that's, I feel like there's a lot more nuance to it, obviously. It's not as easily you know, done as it is said, but I would definitely say to people, if you want something, eliminate any other options, just tunnel vision on that and work. It won't happen quick, it won't happen easy, but if you just keep working, it's just a matter of time. That's just how things work. And then second, if you are gonna jump into full entrepreneurship, just make sure you have some savings. So you're not adding another level of stress, because trust me, entrepreneurship has plenty of that (laughs) by itself. Thank you so much for tuning in. And for a more immersive experience, be sure to follow us on Instagram at wearehuman.tv. We'll catch you next time, and remember, we're always learning.